Well, the message this morning is an angry fool. <laughs> angry fool. Well, um, if we've been following through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and of course our first one was the blessings. Blessing are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Um, blessed are the humble, the meek, so they shall inherit the earth, and so on. So we did all of those. And then we did the salt and light. And then we did law of Moses when Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it and came to basically, he taught us what the law was really, why it really came in the first place. And today we are talking about anger management. <laughs> no. Uh, maybe we should watch that one film, you know, where, anyhow, there's some goofy film that was out and it was... It was, it was kind of funny, but uh, that's, not, that's not the movie that we're talking about today. So, so Jesus teaches us about anger. Now, verse 21 of Matthew chapter 5, and what I'm going to do is, you know, anyhow, go through this and talk about it and, you know, break it up a little bit and come back to it and break it up and come back and when I finish, I'll be done. So, you have, you have heard that it was said to our people long ago, you must, you shall not murder. All right, now, murder. I didn't spend too much time on this. Kindly, we kind of got this down. It's an unlawful, premeditated killing of one human being by another. I'm sure as parents, we've thought about this with our children, but no, we didn't do that. <laughs> and, uh, and anyhow, we, the great, what is it? The, the declaration of the parent to the child, may you have children just like you. <laughs> so, that's our... Okay, we'll move on. Because anyone who murders, they will, but we shall be um, judged. Verse 22, but I tell you... Now, it's important that we look at this, this first part here. It says, if you are... Okay, and this is talking about us, talking about you as an individual. If you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be judged. Now, later we're going to talk about that particular thing. And it's in our society, in our um, way of coaching or counseling, it is a passive-aggressive anger disorder. There is a openly aggressive anger, and then, of course, there's an assertive anger, which is the one that we need to um, pay attention to. So whenever we're thinking, and one little thing, I always thought of anger as kind of like a launching pad. <laughs> you have something that sets off the emotion, and it's like launching a rocket. It takes off, but the challenge is, where's the rocket going? <laughs> Is it going to destruction to destroy something or is it going to being assertive and to change and to so being angry and being hurt, uh, being fearful is often reasons why we have these emotions. And it's important that we understand them and it is not a sin to be angry. The Bible says be angry and don't sin. <laughs> so we know that there is a sinful part of our hurt our declaration or the way we declare it, and we know that there is a non-sinful way that we are to express, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But 
If you are angry or agitated or upset to the point that bad th- you say bad things, <laughs> well, bad things here means evil, wicked, corrupt, immoral. If you rip a person's character apart. So if you are upset enough, angry enough, and you say bad things to a brother or sister, you will be judged. You will be accountable, responsible by the council, the Sanhedrin. Now remember, it says um, that in all of this, we are going to stand before God. Okay? Now, standing before God means that he knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. He knows the thoughts and the situations and, you know, the ins and the outs. You know, people can explain away, they did this, they did that, you know. Uh, sometimes people are angry because they get caught, <laughs> And they are angry about being caught, and they're defensive rather than because they did something wrong. They're, they're, not, they're not upset about doing something wrong. They're upset that they got caught. So here we're talking about if you are ripping somebody's character apart, brother or sister, you will be judged. You will be accountable. You will be responsible for your words by the council or the Sanhedrin. Now, if you call someone a fool... I know none of us have ever said anybody's an idiot. You moron. <laughs> I, I sometimes have select words for people who cut me off in traffic, you know, you idiot. But I know, but, okay, I know none of us have ever said that. But in case you have, what this is looking at here, and, and again, I don't have the full-blown scale of what, say exactly what Jesus was talking about here. But if you call someone a fool, in the Greek, it meant a person who has been isolated. So if you think about it, (laughs) I think of it in the context that if, you know, I, I was raised on a dairy farm, and my social interactions were church and school. And basically, school was not my favorite place to be, so I didn't... I, you know, I was just kind of a their person, you know. So whenever you go to do something different or do something you haven't done before, you have, you have this insecurity. I don't want to appear to be a fool. That you do something that foolish just simply because you don't know what you're doing. Well, in this case, it's saying that if you call someone a fool, so if I am looking for, you know, when I think of uh, snobbery or the elitist, they find somebody who doesn't fit into their social status, and they draw attention to, you know, movies. You know, you see people calling attention to someone, someone's character, someone's action to make them stand out and call them a fool you are really pushing the limits. And that um, if you call someone a fool, it says um, Jesus is passing judgment upon those who intentionally set themselves in a position to ridicule or call someone a fool. So they set themselves up to constantly look for someone who is doing something out of character. Someone who is doing something and make them feel foolish. Now, one of the things is, um, this is a true story that someone, uh, 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 
years ago, a few years ago, someone had made them look like a fool in a school setting, and the person went home and took their life. And so we find that people who set themselves up to do such things are completely and totally wrong. But on the other aspect, we need to understand that no one can make you feel anything that you do not give them permission to. Okay? No one has the authority over you to make you feel anything. It's your thoughts and our perspective, my thoughts about who I am, that either makes me or helps me to feel foolish. So um, you do not give someone authority. You do not give someone permission. You do not put that place of judgment in somebody else's hands. Now, if you do something wrong and they catch you, you're stealing and you caught at it, you feel like a fool because you were so stupid uh, uh, trying to take something and get away with it, and then you make up lies and, because it later on it tells us, tell lies no more. It's like, wait, what is... But you see how our emotions are set up sometimes by our perspective of things and how the perspective of others has that upon us. So what Jesus is saying here, um, that we have to pay attention to who we are as a person and how we are feeling about ourselves and others. And anger is not just, anger has many qualities to it, just like love has many qualities. We use one word for love in the English language, but in the Greek there are four words for love. And so when we talk about anger, we have basically one word for anger, but there are many subdivisions of what anger is and how that this anger can be something that is a righteous indignation or we are upset with the unjust society and the treatment of people in an unjust manner and anger. So you see, there are many ways that this is presented here and the Bible is saying God knows... He knows the depths and the intents and the purpose and all the things that's going on in this whole emotion of how we're facing it. Now, so the fool is a term of scorn, mockery, ridicule, disrespect, contempt. So it's a term, in Aramaic, it's a term of derision, you know, putting downs. So the Bible says, be very careful who you call a fool. And what happens here is, Jesus is, again, he's dealing with a crowd of people who are used to the Pharisees and Sadducees setting themselves up. And we, in the scriptures we have where the Pharisee is standing on the street corner and declaring, God, I thank you that I am not like that wretched sinner. See? So the people are, the common ordinary people are considered a fool to the aristocrat. And Jesus is saying, you can't do that. Don't be like the Pharisee that declares, puts somebody down. Because what you're doing is putting yourself, putting yourself in a place of judgment over someone. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. So, uh, so, Call someone a fool and you will be in danger of the fire of hell. Well, that place is literally in the valley outside of Jerusalem. 
in the Old Testament time where they offered children as sacrifices to a pagan god and later used as a burning trash heap as a metaphor for hell. So he's telling them, don't call somebody a fool. Now, okay, now, got all that in place? It's you, me, I, towards someone else. And it changes. Verse 23. This is, this is, I don't know how many times we've misread this. So when you offer your gift to God at the altar, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Did you catch that? It doesn't say while you're sitting at the altar and you remember you have something against somebody, you go and make it right. It says, when you are at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Do you ever try that? I know you don't like me, but I need to set it straight. <laughs> I'm not that bad. <laughs> well, one time, I was, you know, there was this individual who was a presbyter. This was a long, long time ago. And, and we didn't get along. I mean, he was over me, and I was, this was back years ago, not in this area. And he was over me, and, and we know, we, we, I was constantly butting heads with him. So I decided, you know, he has something against me. So I went to him to make it, you know, try and appease and make it straight and all that stuff. And he says, well, I don't know about you. I don't know. I know what I feel. And it says, not me. It must be you. I felt like a fool. <laughs> Trying to set things straight with somebody who didn't want to set things straight. Well, this is basically what he's saying is that we are opening the door for people to set things straight in our life. Now, we, we are remembering now somebody has something against us. Now, it's, I think it's more than just a perception because later on, he, he goes on to describe, um, leave your gift there at the altar, go and make peace, reconcile with the person, and then come and offer your gift. Um, right, basically what it's saying is this is what God has done for us. We are the ones who were lost, God came to us, okay? So we are the ones that remember somebody has something against us. Now, um, later it talks about, well, let's go on here. This is what God has done for us. The human thought, they are the ones angry, let them come to me. <laughs> I've, they're upset with me, let them come and take you know, let them come and address the issue with me. Well, if, if it is a, and, and I think it's more than just a perception, it is an ongoing rift or people that just don't get along, just, you know. I'm you know, sure you've, maybe it's never happened, you know, you go to family reunions. <laughs> family dynamics never change very much. And, uh, <laughs> You know, now that we're older and there's conflict, there's always been a rift between those two, you know? They never could get along. <laughs> well, that type of rift, that type of anger or that type of situation, he's calling them to get together. If you know that that exists, go to that person and try and make it right. One, one of the challenges I always try to do is say to them, you know, go and open the door. 
Open the door, and that is talk to them. Send them a card. Open the door, let them know that, you know, you want the door open, that you can go in and out and, you know, have reconciliation. So it's important that we try and put that in place. So when you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, and, and now, I don't know how much I've thought of it in the context, that while you're at the altar, and you remember you have something against someone, you need to go and make it right. Well, sometimes it's hard Hey, you know what? I don't like you, but I thought I'd make it right. (laughs) Or, I know you have a problem with me, so you better make it right. No, it's not that kind of a judgment. It's not that kind of putting yourself in a position to being judge. So, leave your gift there at the altar. Go make peace, reconcile with the person. Then come and offer your gift. So, verse 25. One reason to do this. If your enemy, your accuser, is taking you to court. Okay, now you've, you've done something wrong. Okay. So, and the first one is, if you have a brother or a sister has something wrong in the relationship. You remember there's some conflict there. You go and make, try and make it right. Now, he's saying, if you have done wrong, you have an enemy, you've done something to the point that they now are your enemy, he says, and they're going to take you to court, and what are they going to do when they're in court? He says, "Um, quickly, before you go to court, otherwise your enemy might turn you over to the judge, and the judge will give you you to the guard and uh, put you, throw you in jail. So you are guilty of doing something wrong. He wants you to go and not pretend that it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take my chances in court before I, before I settle up with that person. And, and Jesus is saying, if you've done something wrong and, you, you know, and the person has a right to be your enemy... You need to go and try and make things right before you go to court. Did you ever see that in this before? <laughs> Did you ever notice that in these verses? Eh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of in there. But that's what Je- this is a whole new teaching that Jesus is trying to initiate with his followers. Remember now, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. I've not come to destroy the law, but I've come to let you understand why the law was given. And then after understanding why the law is given, now let's talk about anger and let's talk about frustration and fear and how you get along with people. And, you know, in, in their society, it was, it was all right to be against somebody. It was all right to hate your enemy. It was all right to hate the Romans, you know, despise them. And if they make you walk, if they take you, they, if they make you walk within one mile and carry their, ar- their armor, and what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go two miles. See, it was a law that if the Roman soldier, who is the occupying force of that area, they pick a peasant off the road, you know, off the street and say, here, carry my armor, there was a law, they had to do it for a mile. 
Jesus said, if you have to do it for one mile, go two. If you hate your enemy, you've thrown throwing rocks at the Roman soldier, I want you to stop that and go and make it right because he'll take you to court and they'll throw you into jail. So anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism, resentment, bitterness, resentment towards someone whom you feel they are deliberately done you wrong. It doesn't say that you're not right in how that you feel. You can't say, let's just pretend that it didn't happen. No, you've got to deal with it in such a way that um, brings healing and restoration to your own life. So, anger can be a good thing. It can be a, a way to express negative feelings or motivate you to find something, a positive solution. Mad, mothers against drunk drivers. It's all changed in the last few years, influence and all that stuff. But it was started by a mother whose son was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. So her anger at the, the people who drive drunk caused, you know, was the founding force for Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. So anger or that emotion of hurt and pain can force you or ho hopefully help you do something good. So Jesus is uh, uh, telling and pointing this out that you need to recognize that we are all going to stand before God and God is going to do, you know, the influence of, um, on the intent of our heart. So what was the intent there? So what causes people to get angry? Driving a car. No. <laughs> people who got their license from a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> yeah. People who think they own the road. People who take their half out of the middle. <laughs> what causes people to get angry? What are the common triggers for angry? What are the things that cause us to lose patience? Feeling as if your opinion or efforts aren't appreciated or are also unjust. So you see, there's many things that cause us to frustrations, feel frustrated, um, defeated, blocking, obstruction, things that get in the way of what we think is important. Memories of traumatic events, if, uh, worrying about what would happen, may happen. So anger is a normal and natural emotions which probably all people I put all of you in this, so I don't know. Probably all people will feel at least at some point in their lives. I won't ask for a show of hands. All right, so. So, anger can be quite frightening because both in ourselves and in others. Uh, it can arrive very suddenly, short-fused. you know where that term came from? Dynamite, short-fuse. You light it, you better move in a hurry because it's going to blow up. <laughs> so some people are very short-fused. But also, anger can cause very irrational and unpredictable behaviors. The important differences. Anger is a behavior ready to attack or confront, 
often uh, aggression, often associated with aggression. Angry people can become aggressive, and aggressive people can become angry, but they are not the same. In war, people there are aggressive people who are stepping out and going and starting the battle. Anger can be expressed in a hot displeasure, often involving a desire for retaliation or wrath. To make angry is to irritate. They are just an irritant to me. You can say amen, I won't be upset, you know. <laughs> you know me, he's stepping on my toes. Uh, but anyhow, ouch, that hurts. Don't step on my toes. You walk on, I walk on the bottom, you walk on the top. I don't like that. Angry, you can be excited with anger. You can be inflamed with anger. You can be boiling with anger. Um... Angry because someone is threatening your ideals. You know, if they know you're a Christian and you serve God, then people can be just kind of stepping all over your faith. And it's like, I don't want to be upset, but I'm, you're making me upset. You're making me upset. Um, someone trying to lower your hopes, your desires, your aspects. Jesus says in verse 22, But I tell you, or I promise you, that if you are angry with someone, you will stand trial. That the truth will be laid bare before us. So what we're doing and what we're looking at here is, Jesus is telling, you know, later on, the next section is with um, um, divorce and marriage and all that. The idea is God knows what the intent of the heart is. And God wants to affect our intentions so that if we know what our intentions are, we know our, what our actions are, and we know then we take responsibility for our actions. Because just as we said, no one has the power to make you feel like a fool. No one has the power to make you angry. Except when we allow ourselves. So, first one is passive-aggressive. When I was counseling... <laughs> I had the hardest time dealing with this. People who are passive-aggressive, my, in my way of thinking, are the most frustrating people on the planet. <laughs> because no matter what you do, it's not right. No matter what you say, it's, not, it's, it's, it's never going to work. You see, it, it is often associated with a hidden anger. Typically, if someone has difficulty confronting their own emotions or expressing anger in a healthy way, they develop other ways to communicate their anger more indirectly. Putting people down, being critical, being cynical, passive-aggressive behavior results from not wanting to nor being able to confront their own emotions and their own feelings of being hurt. Passive-aggressive encompasses a range of behaviors designed to get back at someone without the person recognizing or without the person recognizing the underlying anger. I want you to know I don't like you. I'm angry at you, but I don't want you to know that. The illustration is, we won't tell your father Okay? We won't tell your father, the passive-aggressive parent says, showing that spending money for children's childhood treats 
behind dad's back is okay. We're going to sabotage the relationship with dad. It's okay. Because I'm going to get that dad this way. <laughs> Passive aggressive is the back door to whatever. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Then there's open aggression. Many people have a tendency to lash out in rage or in anger, become physically or verbally aggressive. Open aggression comes from a need to be in control, to find a way to control. So when you put passive-aggressive and open-aggressive, you've got conflict. And then, of course, we have assertive anger. This is the way, all right? This is usually the best way to communicate feelings of anger because anger expresses a direct and anger is expressed directly and in a non-threatening way to the other person. Anger, now again, what we are, what is saying here is basically we're trying to decide or give expression to the hurt and the pain, the sorrow, the difficulty, the put down, the, you know, whatever it is that we're feeling, we want to do it in such a way without getting a club and hitting them. That's openly aggressive. You could tell that, right? You get a club and hit somebody, it's openly aggressive. <laughs> you know, that was trying to get you to identify that one little thing. Yeah. So what we're saying here is in this assertive aggressive, it is a learned behavior that is used to express our anger, our hurt, or our fear in a verbal, non-blaming, respectful way. Anger, our hurt, and our fear in a non-blaming, non respectful way. So Jesus is saying, <laughs> you must stop telling, this is Ephesians chapter 4. It says, so you must stop, you must stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth. Because we all belong to each other in the same body. When you are angry, do not sin. See, the reason that we're, you know, Jesus is talking here on the Sermon on the Mount to his followers, and he's talking there to them about anger, because in, in their society, they would stone people to death. And, to, you know, it's all right to hate that that person who's caught in the very act of adultery, they have broken the law, and we need to kill them. So let's do it in love. Pick up the stones. That doesn't happen. They're done. It's done in anger. It's done in frustration and guilt, and it sets, sets them up as the judge, the jury, and the executioner of the person who has broken the law. Now, when the law was given, it was given to... You know, keep people in line, give the, the society uh, to recognize that Israel was different than the societies uh, that they were living in around. But now Jesus is telling them the purpose of the law goes deeper even into your heart. So they were allowed, well, <laughs> in the Old Testament, they were given permission to stone people who were, well, look at Stephen. They stoned him to death. Look at Paul. They stoned him. They were angry. They came upon them gnashing their teeth at Stephen. <laughs> they were so angry. And Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying here in Ephesians, 
be angry and sin not. Because the hurt, the pain, the fear are very real. How do we address that in a way that's healing to us and healing in our relationship? And Jesus is saying that I want you to know this because when we all stand before God, he knows and we are always standing before God. This isn't wait until you're dead and stand before God. This is we're always standing before God, so be open with who you are, open with your feelings, open with who you are before God. And if people have, if you've done wrong to someone and you remember you've done wrong and they're going to take you to court, go settle this. See? Go settle the issue. Basically, that's what he's saying. Settle the issue. Open the door. Keep things on a relational experience that does not create harm to you or to someone else. So, when you are angry, do not sin. And be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Verse 26 in the King James Version, Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Do not give the devil a way to defeat you, is verse 27. Those who are stealing must stop stealing and start working. You see, <laughs> he's, he's looking at how that these things come together. So, let's, this is, I like this little quote. It says, let's face it, you will never change what you are willing to tolerate. <laughs> you will never change what you are willing to tolerate unless you get good and angry at your sin and self, you will not change. The last one is religious indignation. is typically a, re a reactive emotion to anger over mistreatment and insult and malice of another person. So you see there are, what is it called? Social injustice. There are things that move us to action. And so the, the positive aspect of anger is moving us when Jesus clears the temple. He is saying, you've taken my house and you've made it a den of thieves. He upset the money changers. He drove the people out with a whip. He was, that was a social injustice. That was a spiritual injustice. That was a mockery of the, of the, of the temple of God. And Jesus is saying, you can't do this. And so that's what, that's an emotion that we all have with, says, you can't do this. Something has to be done differently. It moves us to action. So that's why we can't say, everything that moves you to action is wrong. <laughs> no. It moves you because it has an effect upon you. And God is telling us, when I think of it this way, what God's action towards us is not one of anger, because if it was, we wouldn't be here. There'd be bolts of lightning striking us every moment, you know. But God is kind and compassionate. He is loving, he is forgiving, and he's always moving us from where we are to where he wants us to be. So we have emotions that we need to face. And in this Sermon on the Mount, what are we doing? Jesus is teaching us the anger that is expressed in stoning someone to death because they have broken the law is not anymore permissible.
Shall we stand? Gretchen Parson, one of our members, parishioner, for many years, um, she said she's passing, so we'll pray for her and her family. So, that goes with our sermon and Sunday school lesson of loss, and the touching of emotions that we have, and how that we deal with them, and so, be angry and sin not. We do not want to be the fool. We want to allow... Do not charge someone foolishly. Amen. So, reconciliation. Father, we thank you that we are reconciled to you. And God, we have many emotions, we have many feelings. God, we are hurt by many different things. Some of them are being overlooked. Some of them are being made an example. Some of them, oh God, are the death of a loved one and a friend. So Lord, we are emotional beings confronted with many different situations that stir up different feelings inside of us. But God, you understand us. You understand them all. And Lord, we pray that you give us wisdom and understanding and help in each of our situations that we might find God, the godly way of dealing with things. So for our losses, God, we pray for your comfort. For those who mourn, you will comfort. For those, O oh Lord, who have difficulties, Lord, you will provide solutions. God, for those of us and those that are hurt in their spirit and in their physical lives, we pray, Lord, that you give us an emotion that is able to help us deal with issues and concerns in a healthy way that will restore relationships. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for the strength you give us each day. Come with us now, O Lord, and walk with us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.